welcome to another episode of Sounds from the 70s with Gary and Rob. We are coming to you today from the same dingy shack we have been broadcasting from for the last month or two. And it really is like a glorified outhouse. Sometimes people just walk in and start taking a pee somewhere. Right in the middle of the show. It sure is stinky. It is stinky. Stinky like an outhouse. Which I guess is why I compared it to an outhouse. I was about to go into a song. Oh, Stinky Like an Outhouse? Stinky Like an Outhouse. Oh, man, I love that song. <laughs> stinky Like an Outhouse. One of the great love songs of the 1948, of the 19, late 1940s. Oh, baby, I love you because you're stinky like an outhouse. Anyway, we have another show. Another show. Where we will try and finish before the 60-minute mark. No promises. No prizes. We will just try. You know, it's difficult. The thing about it that's difficult is that we can't do it. <laughs> that's what makes it difficult. But the dream, the dream won't die. The dream is No, the dream, the dream stays. I, 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 I actually have dreams where I wake up in the middle of the night in a deep sweat because... We went to like two hours and 40 minutes. <laughs> and I said, and then I wake up and say, wow, we're really over time this time. And then I wake up. We got we to gotta like uh, just not even do next week's show. That's how over time we are. That's what we ought to do. We got to cheat and do like uh, cut a show and have to do a part one or part two. Oh, that'd be, uh, that'd be deceiving to our audience. Let's couple do of, it. A couple yeah. of 40-minute shows. A couple of 40-minute shows. <laughs> And anyways, how I felt the album, and it continued on next week. So. <laughs> uh, it seems that instead of getting shorter, the episodes are somehow getting longer. <laughs> we're, we're not very good at this. <laughs> now, I don't know how that happened, but I will say in our defense that the recent shows without Uptown Mike as producer have been extremely enjoyable. Yeah. We keep going so long because it, it makes us happy. Yeah, and just knowing that, that Mike uh, cannot disrupt our taping at any time <laughs> with his idiocy. No Mike for us. Brings me uh, immeasurable joy. Immeasurable joy. I think that's just a laugh, lack of grief. But you know what's funny is that when we first were had the concept of the show, we were going to go do two albums a show. <laughs> I think I might have said this earlier in a way earlier broadcast that our original plan was, and we did do a couple of test shows with two albums a show. And what did we learn? Oh, they didn't work. Yeah, oh, no, they didn't work. work. Oh, it didn't work. Right. As you can see, now we're doing one album a show. It's, uh, it's, it's, I mean, the shows work, but they're, they're long. Can you imagine two albums a show? Can you imagine? Plus, we had two albums a show and segments. <laughs> we would have a marathon every week, three hour show. Oh, I can, I can do the math. <laughs> okay. The math says twice as long. Two, two who, times. Who is this long. Matt you talk about? He, uh, he speaks in maths. You know, sometimes I set you up with something, and then you just blow it. You just, you know, it's kind of my way of, uh, uh, yeah, I'm dropping the ball. Here, I'm kicking it back to you. <laughs> it's your way of dropping the ball. Don't don't kick the ball. It's baseball. <laughs> That's why Rob always got picked last at at uh, all sports. Usually by the team that the. 
You formed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the captain. <laughs> I pick me. And I pick me last. Winning's not mm. important. Today's album, I guess we should get back to the show. The show. Yes, today's That's album we are reviewing is the debut album from Steely Dan called Can't Buy a Thrill. Released 50 years ago in 1972. The Ooh. only album we're doing in this theme that doesn't have a self-titled album. It is actually well, having a title. A real title. Yeah. Huh. Makes you think, doesn't it? Little bit. Not much. Not too much. It's just, a, it's kind of like a, a very trivial uh, little postscript. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's a, it's a hell of a show today. <laughs> if you're already on the gardening show, I don't blame you. Uh, but you're going to, you you know, the good thing about having long shows is that you can like, I don't know, you can like skip like 20 minutes and then. It's like, oh, they're going to bullshit. Oh, the they're going to bullshit. I'm going to go to the gardening show for a while. And then you can come back and it's like, yeah, I can come back at the 40-minute mark because it's still going to be on. For sure. Remember like uh, guys like Johnny Carson, they'd start their show with stuff that would entertain you? <laughs> Not us. <laughs> <laughs> no, we don't do that kind of stuff. Blither. But what I am curious about, and this, this is interesting, Rob. Uh, and it's interesting for an interesting point of view. Is uh, I think most of our audience would like to know what you did this last week. Oh, that's easy. I went to uh, to work again, and uh, this time, as I recall, I uh, I worked with a fellow. He uh, he had a smell of poo about him. We or can't they, we can't say uh, poo, poo on the air. Okay, sorry. He uh, smelled uh, smell of crap. <laughs> Yeah, you can say crap. Yeah, but crap doesn't work. Feces doesn't work. Poo works. We're going to use poo. Yeah. And we'll get kicked off the air for it. Just say it. I'm just joking. You know, see, that's, you know, you got, you got, a, you got a sidekick that doesn't know what the hell's going on half the time. Most and yes, time. it sounds like a rant because it is a rant. Because, yeah, I need a sidekick. I need oh. a monkey. Anyways, thanks for updating. Monkeys are cheap. Thanks for updating your week, Rob. Sorry about the rant against your personality and general person. And uh, we'll ask you next week how you're doing. And there'll be something less interesting. <laughs> That's a promise, sir. Oh, I should mention, no, uh, your brother is in town. That he is. Okay. So odds, <laughs> odds and ends. <laughs> All right. <laughs> now we get to the meat of the show. This is the part Thank of the show I enjoy. The part that uh, has something that to say. <laughs> you're the worst. You're, you're the worst sidekick ever. Well, <laughs> hey, William B. William. So he's <laughs> little, little, little tired tonight. Next week I'll be in fine form, but this week, by golly, I put you're going to be in stinky form tonight. And we're prepared. I'm prepared and. I'm prepared to cover up for all your mistakes. I've already, you made about eight. So <laughs> we've only been on for eight minutes. In the future, I'll have coffee. <laughs> so odds and ends. Like I said, lost time was not found again. Now this week on odds and ends, I, uh, I really don't have anything. Nothing? No, okay. I can't. I, it's, just, it's been a quiet week on the news front. We and, always uh, do something for odds and ends. No, no, today no. you ought to do nothing. 
I don't always do something for odds and ends. I, there's lots of weeks I don't have anything, but at least it's a segment that comes back every week, and then I can say we don't have anything like today. I shouldn't say that we don't have much, but we do. Have we don't have much. any outside news, but we do have personal news. Right. Uh, and it's not good personal news. Oh. It doesn't look like we will be ready to broadcast. Sounds from the 70s on video for our 150th episode. Just because, you know, it's we hard. try, we try, we don't get any help. <laughs> we get like zero help on this show. And uh, the help that we do get is very half-assed. No, we get people claiming to help. But uh, the help doesn't materialize. And it's like, why would you say such a thing? I know. That, that's, the, that's the God's honest truth. Actually, probably... Since we formed the band in, in like 1985, there are people who say, "Oh, you know, I, we ask people for help and they don't, they don't give it, or they just, they just take something and and have it for like a month and say, oh yeah, we'll help you out with that.'" Then you have to ask them, like, "Did you help? Did you do that work that we asked you to?" No. So yeah. uh, the, the story of our whole professional lives for like 40 years is like we don't get help. I want the no up front. <laughs> that made me so happy. But uh, we will be trying to get it all together very soon. It will be. It will be like. It won't be like show 180th, but maybe like within up to 160. Hopefully, we will have. We will. We'll. Have, we're going to have to obviously have to learn this by ourselves how to put this on Spotify, which actually will is the only one will carry it. So you can only watch us do the show on Spotify, even though it goes through all the uh, channels uh, all over the the world. You can only watch us on Spotify because they're the only ones who do it. It's going to be really cool because you can watch us actually do the show. And uh, that will be the show. And maybe we might even put... Oh, no, we're not going to put how we edit because that's bullshit. That's boring. That's boring. That's That's boring shit. In 10 minutes of uh, Snoozeville. You don't, heard me. don't say we only edit for 10 minutes. <laughs> say we edit for a week. Oh, we the full day of drudgery and sweating. Full day of lots of edits. <laughs> um, we actually did an edit on last week's show, right we in the did. middle of the show. We haven't done edits in a long time. We haven't done an actual edit in the middle of a show in I don't know how long. I really, no, I don't know how long. Because I downloaded that uh, that porn and it clogged up the other uh, drive. And yeah, he, he he downloaded that game and uh, he shouldn't have, and then we, we lost room when we recorded. The disk drive ran out, and uh, mid recording, it just stopped and said, "Hey, why don't you have your head examined?" So if you thought that we had to edit because of Rob, again, you were correct. You were correct. <laughs> Okay, uh, and we will figure out how to do. It's just that we have so much to do. We have another show, and that you know, our jabbering show is, is a big headache because again, we aren't getting the help that was promised us, and so we uh, we're gonna we're working on it. Well, there's there's gonna be some uh, some some butt kicked, not by us. Oh, you know what's cool is because this is really cool, Rob, because. Our uh, connection is so slow today, I don't have the rest of my script. Right. <laughs> oh, we're going to wing it. Isn't that funny? Well, I can't wing it because uh, we got some important stuff. Okay, hopefully, I just refreshed. Hopefully, it will come back. 
and uh, we can continue with the show. But in the meantime, can you tell us? Oh, no, we got it. Okay, the, the reason why we couldn't continue without a script, first of all, because the script's important, don't cry. <laughs> Rob's crying, is uh, because it's email time. Email? I love email. I love email. You love email. We love email. Everybody loves email. Uh, we haven't done email in so long. I forgot that there was such a thing as email. I really did. And we have three emails on today's show. If we're going to do an email show like every four months, you might as well have three emails on one show. Three emails. That sounds very trans. <laughs> That's funny. You know, sometimes you're so aggravating, but then you come up with something funny. It's the only reason people allow me to live. <laughs> okay, so our first letter is from Deborah Wyshowski from Minneapolis, Minnesota. Now, Wyshowski, Rob, sounds Polish to me. Sounds like a good Polish name. Yeah, I didn't All say right. good Polish name. I just said Polish. <laughs> because there is no good Polish names. Yeah, not in all, in all, in all, not not trying to offend any Polish people. They're clunky and don't translate well to English. Too many Z's in them. What Polish people? Polish names. (laughs) Oh, Polish names. (laughs) Polish people don't don't translate well to English. Not when they first get here, but a few (laughs) generations later, they're not too bad. Okay, but enough with the Polish jokes here. But remember, Deborah, if it's winter time and cold, as it does get in Minnesota. Remember to put your coat on from the inside out. (laughs) 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 Anyways, but no, Rob, seriously, no more Polish jokes. Come on. No more. That's terrible. So (laughs) remember when they were so popular? (laughs) (laughs) So Deborah says, uh, I have been listening to your show almost from the beginning. Remember when Rob, excuse me for interrupting this. Remember when Rob used to uh, read the emails? Yeah, that was so long ago. Yeah, he got that taken away from him because... Uh, that guy keeps doing a job badly. You got to uh, stop him. You seems like every job I give you, you do <laughs> Okay, sorry for interrupting, but uh, that's why I read the emails now. It's because Rob, uh, he didn't put the right oomph where the oomph should be and the ink where the ink should be. Uh, I thought it was because uh, on the topic of ink, uh, you uh, packed your printer in a box. <laughs> I like my excuse better. <laughs> Anyways, she says, Deborah says, I have been listening to your show almost from the beginning, and I noticed you no longer do segments like you used to. Yeah. Why is this? Now, this came up in last week's show, and I had to stop Rob because I knew we were doing this email question that we got. I love segments. And that's, that's, that's a very good question, Deborah. And I just, before we answer this question, oh, sorry, I hit the microphone. It's okay. Uh, and remember, I just want to point this out before we answer the question. Before. If you are a woman sending in an email like Deborah, a picture of yourself would be nice just for our amusement. Okay? We'd like, if you're, you know, sure. you know, like, oh, yeah, baby. Yeah. yeah, that kind of thing. Uh, but good question. That's a very good question. Now, the reason is the show has kind of evolved. From the beginning, and it was supposed to be a bunch of segments about different things, and it turned out that kind of it's hard to, to to describe, but I kind of ran out of things to say. Like we're like there wasn't a lot uh, of of for this segment, and there wasn't a lot for that. We had a lot of '70s memories, and then I don't know. They kind of uh, it 
it kind of it kind of naturally without thinking about it evolved into just one segment in which I talked about something and it became almost uncategorizable like everything every week it it didn't really fit in it and then I would rant about something and we would do our papa don't take no mess but that started to become almost every week so there was no reason to do that because I think my opinion about things happens every week in the segment and plus the segments they were divided and they just didn't seem to divide anymore they just seemed to be one big thing and uh, that's the reason why we don't the only segments we have left are email and odds and ends odds and ends I can't think of any others that's about it and of course the reviews but that's the reason for the show is the record reviews so that's we still do have the segment but we don't title it anymore because they're all kind of the same now and we just talk about the 70s whether it's music or movies or whatever so there was no it was getting harder to categorize them because they all seemed to start as it evolved to be one thing that's why we don't have segments in the middle anymore as far as titled is concerned wow pretty deep answer eh segments exist but they do not exist they do yeah that's actually a good point segments exist but they don't exist with a name they are nameless like orphans you know if that were uh, something that had a physical property I'd call it metaphysics but I can't so now basically it's just segment because odds and ends was meant to be a non-segment where we talked about things that didn't belong in the middle segment they were just corrections that we may have made uh, to episodes or little tidbits that didn't belong in a huge segment then after odds and ends we do the one segment and there you go so the segment is the one like this email is an actual segment because this is what we're doing today you understand i sure yeah i do <laughs> that was so if i have to explain it again and all these people have to listen to it <laughs> the segment is the segment and it has no title it's just what i come up with that week right and yeah 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 yeah, yeah that's it that's it and it just we, we kind of incorporate everything into that segment. We give our opinions and blah, blah, blah. So there's no reason to give it names anymore because it just worked out that way naturally. It just evolved into where it just became a segment. The middle section of the show. Jesus, that pisses me off this whole thing. I actually <laughs> like that. I actually like the letter at the, at, at the beginning, but then when I had to explain it and I got this dumb look from Rob, it's just like, fuck, I, didn't, I don't like the question anymore. You know what? You know what? Who what was it? Was it? Was it uh, what was her name? Oh, Deborah. Deborah, I didn't like your question anymore. I did it at the beginning. Um, we're going to give you a T-shirt, but we're not going to give it to you anymore. I'm sorry. I, I spoiled it. Sorry. Rob's Rob's dumb look spoiled it for everyone. His quizzical look of what are you talking about spoiled it for everyone. No, I had a good comeback to make there. We we will not have segments other than the ones we have every week. Not not every week. We have email, which is not every week. The only segments we have email. And <laughs> on set ends, that's it. And the album. And the album and the unnamed segment, which is what we want to talk about. And sometimes we won't even have that. If, if odds and ends runs long, we go right to the review. It gives me more freedom because it seems like everybody wanted a segment in there. Sometimes I have a segment, sometimes I don't. Oh, we do have 
our top, uh, my top 30 songs of all time as a segment. Which we're 25, aren't we? We, uh, we're, we only have 26? like two more, two more episodes of that, and then we're done. So oh. no reason to even bring that we up. We shall savor it. We shall savor it. Yeah. Coming up, actually, uh, in the next two episodes, we take a week off. Well, we don't, but we, but we don't, but we do, but we do. Don't ask why. And then when we come back with a new theme, I will be finishing that off with the first two episodes when we come back. And then we won't have that segment anymore. Anyways, we talked about this for way too long. Yeah, there's like, why why does this show go long? I don't get it. We got two more letters. All right, let's do those two more letters. And let's give them one word answers. Uh, Don't dictate the show. <laughs> I just want to know. I got everything set up in a script. Don't don't change things. <laughs> okay, so you're not along for the ride. <laughs> next <laughs> next letter is from Brad. Just Brad. There's no last name. Ah, just Brad. He's ah. smart. He's pretty smart. He's from Brad. Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Now Brad, which sounds like a preppy name, like like Hey Brad, I heard Buffy won't go to the spring dance with you because she thinks you're uncouth. That kind of Brad, yeah, you know what Brad, I mean? He's gonna get beat up by Spike. Ooh, Spike! Because there's uh, when you go to when you go to university, there's always a Spike. There's like, a Spike. Hey, I don't like Brad because he's he's like a. Hey, I'm gonna fight someone. Oh, a guy named Brad. Oh, he's, <laughs> he's just asking for it by being named Brad. <laughs> yeah, Brad seems like a name that if you have it, you're in trouble right from the beginning because people don't like you just because your name is Brad and they think you're like a pompous ass. What I rep- recommend is spell it backwards. Darb. <laughs> oh, dar, darb, darb. Don't throw me off. Okay. Anyways, anyways, Brad. After we've made fun of your name, uh, we make fun of everybody's name. So fuck off, Brad. Who do you think you are, Preppy? Anyway, Brad says, "Hey guys, sometimes when I listen to the show, I want to hit Rob right in the mouth with a two by four. Oh wow! And I mean really hard." <laughs> 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 I didn't read this one before. That's funny, and I mean really. Hard. I'm gonna I'm gonna repeat that because I that's like the first time I read that, and that's funny. I'm gonna read this again. Okay, so Brad says, "Hey guys, sometimes when I listen to the show, I want to hit Rob right in the mouth with a two by four, and I mean really hard." <laughs> I love this Brad. Brad's not a preppy no more. Don't you dare call Brad a preppy. Brad is my friend. Brad, <laughs> what you're feeling extends outside the show. <laughs> now, to clarify, that's more uh, of a statement that Brad made than a question. In fact, it is a statement. I'm pretty sure of it. It's a statement. A but I one. love it. It just shows the passion these people have for our shows. And Brad, if you do come ac- come across Rob one day and you have a 2 by 4 in your hand, I don't know why you would have a 2 by 4 in your hand. But if you did, uh, I would not hold it against you if you if you hit him really hard a couple of times. I put in a couple of times because I think if you're going to hit a guy... Yeah, you should not just do it and then leave. Hit him a couple of times. Make sure he's really hurting, and then leave. In for a penny, in for a pound. Any comments about Brad? Uh, hatred of you? Natural. <laughs> <laughs> I get. We get more than enough uh, emails about people wanting to hurt Robin. Actually, don't. But if you feel like that, that's great. But don't. We don't. We don't. Uh, want people to actually hurt you well i do i guess but 
if it hurts you to the point where you're in a hospital, I would feel bad because I'd have to find somebody to fill in find for the, the show. monkey. Yeah, and uh, but you know, it just hurts you like, oh man, I'm all black and blue because Brad hit me with a two by four. Now that would be funny to me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I, I I joined Fight Club. Oh, I shouldn't be talking about that. That's me. Oh fuck. Okay. I understand why Brad wants to do the hitting. Yeah. When you say things like that. Yeah. <laughs> I I do so encourage it. So our final email. Fine. I just I'm just wondering if you didn't have any comments about you really is I just thought that maybe you had something Nasty negative to say about Brad, say but about you were that. just kind of left it. You just kind of like okay, man. No, I, I I'm with him. <laughs> All right. Okay. Final email is from Richard or Dick. Dick. Who is from Dublin, Ireland. I don't think they use Dick in Dublin, Ireland. In Ireland, I don't know. But I'm, we're going to use Dick. Uh, they used to use Richard. Uh, hey, Richard. I don't know if that's Irish. Hold on. Do you, uh, do you, in real life, uh, have you known any Dicks in your lifetime? I know. Richard Nixon, I didn't know him. Yeah, I think I've known a few Richards, but I haven't known uh, any Dicks. Uh, Richard Burton, who is known as Dick. I didn't know him either. Old Dick Burton. Dick Burton. Sounds like old Jack Burton. Um, can you do... I can't remember the Irish... I'm Irish and I can't remember the accent. Can you do the accent? Uh, only if I get offended. Oh, the pot of gold. See, I can only do it when if I'm a leprechaun. Oh, you don't like the Irish then? Okay. I, oh, oh, yeah. Kick your ass then. Oh, you don't call me Richard. <laughs> don't call me Richard. You got, oh, Richard. I, out here, you call me Dick. <laughs> <laughs> call me dick but potato 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 anybody got a potato okay i love i love irish accents i love making fun of the irish because i am half irish so i can do it yeah and you got uh, almost no one left just yeah. the irish yeah anyways not a big fan of people named dick see i'm not a big fan of anybody who writes in i don't know why why people write in <laughs> that's sweet we mercilessly, we mercilessly chop them up and make them for comedic fodder. <laughs> Anyways, that's just what we do. So, uh, Richard, oh yeah, maybe, maybe, uh, yeah. If you're gonna write in again, change your name. No, nope. change your name because I don't, I don't like Dick. I don't want to be reading uh, 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 an email saying, "Hey, Dick." Well, it's just how you're pronouncing it. You got to really put some venom into it. Oh, I do. Dick says. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Uh, Dick wants to. <laughs> sorry. Dick wants to know if the statistics we give about how the show is doing is real or just bollocks. I think bollocks is an English way of saying things. So, are you Irish or English? Yep. Pants. It's, it's all over mm. the uh, the aisles there. They uh, they share common words. Okay. So we're gonna we're gonna give you a pass on that, Dick. But uh, statistics are real. We're <laughs> just bullocks. Listen, Dick, this is a stupid question. It is. If, 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 if we were giving false information about statistics, don't you think we would make it really good? <laughs> yeah. Like we would say how we have like 600 million listeners and, and most of them aren't wankers like you. <laughs> like we would say stuff like, oh, by the way, like uh, it seems like uh, Queen Elizabeth... And the royal family just love our show. Like, fuck, we would come up with better stuff than, than the actual statistics we come up with. Think about it. We would say, like, the Bob Marley and the, and the, the, Mar and the Whalers live album, well, 10,100 million people loved it. Fuck, Dick, you pissed me off. 
Any comments on that idiotic question by Dick? Ah, logic dictates that you don't really exaggerate numbers on a thing which generates no revenue. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> There's no reason to uh, lie about something that doesn't help us uh, in any way. Oh, yeah, fuck, it, it alters nothing. You know what? I, I, I wish I had a two by four. I would go to Ireland and I'd say, hey, you have a passage for Dublin. And then I'd go to Dublin. I'd say, you guy knows a guy named Richard or probably referred to as Dick. And then they go, oh yeah, he likes to watch, he likes to watch that show, or listen to that show, songs from the 70s. And I go, that's the dick. And then he, they say, oh, he lives down there, he lives down there in that cottage. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what accent that is anymore. But anyway, it doesn't matter. That's the assailant accent. <laughs> so then I'd go down there, and I'd go to his cottage, and I said, and he'd go, hello. And I'd go, oh, dick, and I'd boom, right at the two by four right across the head. And then I would catch the boat back. <laughs> And have a nice cruise back home. Bear in mind, the Irish are fighters, so watch it. Anyway, thanks for the email, Dick. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it was appreciated. We always appreciate all the email we get. It doesn't sound like it, but we do. (laughs) And remember, if you want to send in a question or lying, then uh, go ahead. Anyways, if you want to send in a question... Or a statement, or a nice recipe. Send it into sounds from the seventies at gmail.com. What was that? Oh, you want to hear it again, Rob? Sounds from the seventies at gmail.com. Now I'm gonna repeat it again so people understand. Because it's a long thing. It's a long, it really is long. Sounds from the seventies at gmail.com. Now it's all one word, sounds from the seventies at gmail dot like a little dot com okay and ladies should send photos along with their letter just to prove they're they're ladies and not the we don't we don't want to be calling somebody a lady when it could be a man yeah we're gonna call stan stan and loretta loretta i don't know nobody understands (sighs) fuck Fuck, I wish I had a two by four. So, uh, <laughs> such wondrous evil. Today's album we are reviewing. I think we could make it to under 60 minutes today. And if we do, I want money sent to us uh, in the form of money $100 or pounds, depending on where you are, or guineas. I don't know where you are, uh, from every listener because we did it. And uh, then we can carry on the show and produce more 60-minute shows. Anyways, now that I said that, I probably blew our chances. Today's album we are reviewing is Steely Dan's debut album from 1972 called Can't Buy a Thrill, which was named after... This is interesting. Not this, but the one coming up that I'm saying. Two instances of strangeness. But this is not strange. This isn't strange. No, but when you combine, but when you combine the other little note that I'm going to say later on, then it becomes uh, a a strange coincidence. So the album was named after uh, a Bob Dylan lyric uh, from the great album Highway 61 Revisited. The song "It Takes a Lot to Laugh, It Takes a Train to Cry," where he goes, "Ride a, a mail train, Mama can't buy a thrill." That's where the album title comes from. I don't know why they chose that. Um, Maybe they were Maybe they just on like peyote the in the desert. You don't know. Okay, don't talk like that. 
You know, you know, I don't like peyote talk. <laughs> <laughs> peyote talk. Not since that trip, man. Now, we got one of the most interesting bands. There's, again, it's 70s was such a cool time because there's so many bands that, I don't know, they're just one and only. You know what yeah. I mean? Their, their history, the way they operate, uh, it's just, just, it's just, it only happens in the 70s. It just doesn't, doesn't happen. So, the the brain trust of Steely Dan, of course, is is Walter Becker and Donald Fagan, uh, who met in 1967 at Bard College in New York, not New York City, but New York State, uh, and uh, they kind of got together and decided like they wanted. To, they began playing in local groups. Uh, one of the groups. This is interesting, Rob. One oh, of the groups report. that they played in had Chevy Chase on drums. Chevy Chase was a drummer and a comedian, but before he became a comedian, he was uh, a drummer. A drummy guy. Yeah. And so one of the bands that uh, Walter Becker, Walter Becker and Don Fagan were in had Chevy Chase on drums. And they played covers like most of the bands did in the late 60s as they start out. And uh, when they kind of graduated in the late 60s, the two moved to Brooklyn and tried to sell their tunes. They tried to become uh, songwriters. And they tried to peddle their tunes to the Brill Building, Tin Pan Alley, in uh, Midtown Manhattan. And uh, they did get work on a soundtrack. They did the soundtrack for a low-budget film featuring Richard Pryor and Robert Downey Sr. Ooh. Called You've Got to Walk It Like You Talk It or You'll Lose That Beat. It's still available, I think, that album on CD. Very hard to find on album, but it is available on CD, uh, which is just a Becker and Fagan album. And they admit that they did that just for the money. They did it just for the money because they're starving, and it's uh, probably probably not worth purchasing. I haven't heard it, but it's probably, you know, not worth purchasing. Anyways, they worked from that time until from 1968 till 71. They worked on a bunch of demos, uh, and then, um, you know, Donald Fagan plays keyboards and piano and all that stuff. And uh, Walter Becker is very famous for playing bass on the early records, the guitarist on later records. And so they got uh, a deal with, I can't remember, uh, I can't remember. I can't remember what's, uh, ABC Records. Yeah, with ABC Records. So that's kind of like the background of it. What happened after that is actually the interesting point, which is Steely Dan were a band. They were a band of like five people or whatever with Becker and Fagan. And then they got the great... One of the best guitarists Jeff ever, Skunk the Skunk, Baxter. Jeff Skunk Baxter. Everybody knows Jeff Skunk Baxter sits in the chair. <laughs> I, I knew him yeah. as soon as I saw the mustache. Yeah, and the mustache has one of the most famous mustaches in rock and roll history. Uh, also, they had guitarist Denny Dias. Uh, he plays uh, the uh, an instrument, a sound I really can't stand. It's one of the sounds I just can't stand. It's the it's the guitar sitar. Which I just oh, hate, okay. but he plays that on Do It Again. Uh, drummer Jim Hodder, who sings on this album. Uh, yes, I forgot for the moment. The Cruising Song. And singer David Palmer. Yes, they actually had a singer. So they actually had a band. 
And if you're not familiar with uh, Steely Dan, you're you're wondering, well, that's that's There's what's so different about having big a band. Deal. Yeah, well, you'll find out that it is a big deal <laughs> because they used uh, the band for touring purposes, but they didn't like to tour. And they weren't big on doing appearances of any kind. They just wanted to do music and, and all that kind of other stuff was shit. So, so they got the, the, this band together. And after this album was released, Can't Buy a Thrill, they did. And it's famous because I think I saw these. I think they're still on YouTube. They did the Midnight Special with that band. And they did American Bandstand. And I think that's the only TV appearances they ever did. And then they toured for this one. Uh, they toured for their next album, Countdown to Ecstasy. I don't know if they toured for the one album, that Pretzel Logic, but that was it. They just didn't like touring. Becker and Fagan did not like touring. So he told them, since Becker and Fagan were the brains of the band, he said, listen, you guys can stay on as background musicians for some songs on the record if you want. But Steely Dan from now on is going to be Becker and Fagan. And uh, and so when the guys heard this, they most of them quit for other jobs because they were only, they were only going to be used yeah. for, for a month or so every year to record songs. and then, and then Not an attractive offer. Not an attractive offer. Plus, they were bringing in other musicians. They would only play on two or three songs. Uh, for an album because now Becker and Fagan had a choice of whatever musicians they wanted to because they were now Steely Dan. Not really a band, but a name, if you know what I mean. Becker and Fagan were now Steely Dan. And that's how they pretty much uh, went throughout their whole career. Now, they they uh, went and, and had an album every year uh, up until 1980. It took three years to make Gaucho, which was their last album before they broke up for about 20 years and then got back together again. That's a whole other story. We're going to do another Steely Dan album later on and we'll go into that a little bit more about the later Steely Dan. Uh, that's if the show lasts another three or four years, which I think it will. Probably will. Because that's up to us. Unless we get bored or Rob pisses me off to the point I kill him, which could happen. Could get hit by a bus. Or could get hit by a bus. If it's me, then the show's over. If it's Rob, I get a monkey. Monkey. Uh, so, <laughs> monkey. <laughs> so anyways, I find that interesting. And uh, just the music of Steely Dan, the lyrics, uh, they're very, they're a very cynical pair. And they're very, uh, they use very uh, elliptical lyrics that you don't quite understand. Yes. You, you can... And, and it became more evident after that. This album is actually very commercial compared to what they were going to be doing, even lyrically, even though it is very cryptic in this album, it would become more cryptic as it came on, more of a jazzy influence they were on. But the, their albums are one of the few albums or catalogs that you will see up until Gaucho when they, when they broke up for 20 years. Seems like every band from the 70s broke up and got to get back together at some point whether it was five years later or 25 yeah, years later. Yeah, they just had to stop being sick of one another. Yeah, exactly. Or feel that they, the juice is ready again. You know, sometimes when you're, when you're combining, and it, I understand it because in the 70s, you had to produce an album every year. And sometimes at that point, you don't see bands break up nowadays because they get like three, four years to, to release an album. 
And but back then you had to release an album every year, and it must be very difficult. They had very high standards, as you can tell by listening to, to "Can't Buy a Thrill." Everything had to be perfect. Every note had to be perfect, and those exacting standards made them, uh, I think, say, "You know what? We need a break. I want to work on stuff." Where you know, and uh, Donald Fagan made a couple of extremely good solo albums. As is Walter Becker made his own solo albums. But uh, to get back, Steely Dan was a was. This has to be said because this this is something important about the history of of of, of Steely Dan, is that Steely Dan was loved by critics and they sold a lot of records, but they were loved by critics, and if you look in the All Music site, almost all their records up to Gaucho, get like five stars. Like you, could, it's amazing how every album uh from Countdown to Ecstasy, from which is this album, to Asia, got like five stars. It's like, oh, five stars, five stars, five stars. Such a critically acclaimed album. The critics loved them. Uh, fans loved them. But when we were growing up, or at least when I was listening to music in the late 70s, I remember when I first started listening to music, Asia was released. And Asia was a huge album. But Steely Dan was not a popular album for young people. Steely Dan was, they eventually became known as kind of a yuppie band because their music was very intellectual. Their music was very, it wasn't hard rock. It was more like jazzy pop. And it, you just know that you, that you listen to Steely Dan as a kid. You listen to other stuff. And what I think the best thing for Steely Dan's music is that it was your older brother's albums. It was your older brother who was 27, 28. He would buy the Steely Dan albums. And I'm just saying that it's not it's not a it's not a shot. It's just that it's just that it was kind of a yuppie a yuppie band, you know. Yeah, I don't remember them um, any big uh, Steely Dan fans around us. No, that's what I'm talking about. There was no Steely Dan fans in junior high. There was no Steely Dan fans in high school. Like none, and yet they were a very popular band. And yet, it, this wasn't their clientele. And it's strange because almost every band is, almost every rock band, they're striving for the 17 to 22-year-old or whatever. And Steely Dan, uh, their group, they're the ones that they sold records to, were the ones that had jobs and had uh, lots of money and liked to listen to that when they were driving to, to work and stuff and to critics, you know, and... Uh, that's why, you know, they're very, very uh, peculiar band and, and how they fit in, how they work. They were very tongue-in-cheek about things, about their lyrics, and didn't take things too seriously, yet they took their music very seriously. Um, very unique band. I find that through all through the 70s. More so than the 60s and the 80s is uh, how unique bands were. We just talked about that last week with Roxy Music. It is... You know, just how unique these, these bands, like we're one, um, one in a million. Yeah. Really, you don't see bands like at all like Steely Dan, musically or, or just the way they operate. It's just, 70s were open to everything. As long as you produced music that people liked or sold, then you could pretty much do what you wanted. Yeah, they were an album sales band. and uh... Yeah, and yet... They had singles that were popular on the radio from every album. Yeah. And that's the thing that's amazing is that they were a meticulous, this is, we're making an album. And 
but you can pull a you can look at their albums and you go oh that song's on there and look at next oh that song's on there and that's what's amazing about them and uh whether you like them or hate them uh you know they were just a lot of musicians also to love them uh the few songs i've played of theirs have been very fun to play yes the i guess the point i'm making is this is also a band that didn't tour like they they did Two, this is a band that wasn't on TV, which wasn't too unusual in the 70s because a lot of bands refused to go on TV, but they never went on TV. Like, they, other than promoting Can't Buy a Thrill, they didn't promote anything after that. They didn't promote anything. And they didn't tour after a couple of albums. Never toured. They just disliked it. I, I remember why they disliked touring, um, but I can't remember. It was a long time ago, and I had trouble finding it when I was looking it up, so whatever. They didn't like it. They just didn't like it. And, they don't need a reason. And it's funny, it's ironic that when they got back together, uh, Walter Becker unfortunately passed away uh, a couple of years ago, but Donald Fagan still tours as Steely Dan um, in memory of Walter Becker. Uh, but when they got back together in 2000 and they recorded a couple of albums, it was almost around touring. <laughs> they almost went constantly on tour all the time. And this was from a band who disliked touring like when they were at their apex in the 70s. It's just it's just odd how it became one band and then the other band, you know, like the touring band and they changed their mind on that and they became more of a touring band than a recording band and at the beginning it was more of a recording band than a touring band. Strange. But nobody tells them what to do. Yeah, nobody told them what They're to steely do. Down. And it's very uh uh, it, it's just very unique for for the the for music, and that's why I just love covering the '70s because there's just so many unique things about uh, bands, and there is no band like Steely Dan in both the music they play, the lyrics, the lyrics are you, not necessarily this album. This album too is like that where you can't understand what they talk about unless you put your own projection into it. Yeah, that's what I found uh, listening to the lyrics is it works really well once again with the music. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I was trying to um, the, the read through the, uh, the, the the lyrics just uh, without the music, I mean, um, the, what's uh, the sixth song? Fire in the hole. Yeah. I was reading uh, that had something to do with the uh, the, 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 the the kids who uh, went to school, went to college, that and uh, kind of avoided the draft. And there's no way I would have picked up on any of that from reading. The no, lyrics not from the lyrics. To the song. In fact, fire in hole comes from Vietnam, where they would. Throw the throw the grenades in and say fire in a hole. Yeah, and who knows that nowadays? And who knows that nowadays? And actually, doesn't really sync with what's going on. But they know what they're talking about. And I, the point is, is they know what they're talking about, which it means they're not talking gibberish. All right? yeah, which a lot of bands do. Still... I was talking about. We were talking about a couple of weeks ago about how Blue Oyster Cult in their early days, not their first album, but before they were Blue Oyster Cult, wrote songs that were just gibberish and didn't mean anything. These. They mean something to the writers, which is important. Plus, that means that you can get your own vision of what they mean about Fire in the Hole, which is a very oblique song. Uh, it could mean anything, but that's great because you can you can project what you think that song means. Some of them yes. are more clear cut. And they sing it with such conviction that uh, it, it draws you in. It makes you think. Uh, oh, yeah. Really, uh, he's singing about something. Uh, he, even if you can't figure it out, you still get a meaning out of it. That's uh, that's so true. You can get any meaning out of it you want. And 
Donald Fagan may not be uh, your typical great singer, but he's a great singer because he sings his own yes. songs extremely well. He knows the words. He's passionate about it. And it just shows you that in this particular album, they really wanted to be accepted commercially because they got a singer, uh, which they never had after that. Donald Fagan sang every song after uh, this album. And uh, they did make some concessions to be to be a commercial band. And they thought about that. Uh, they became more or less concerned about that after this album. But also they did because every album had hit singles on it. So they obviously, they wanted to be accepted, but on their own terms. If you, that kind of makes sense, I don't know. Uh, so uh, I have to admit, I listened to this album. Um, I kind of grew up with Steely Dan in the latter half. I remember Asia being big and I kind of liked the songs. Never bought the albums. They were always, again, they were always like... Asia They seemed a, a little bit... They just had this attitude towards young kids, and I was one of the young kids, even younger than the, than like sixteen or seventeen, that that they just seemed to be on a higher level, and they seemed to be talking down. <laughs> they were really meant for people that were a little bit more mature than the seventeen and eighteen, like like I was. I wasn't even seventeen. Yeah, and 18. And the subject matter you could tell it wasn't uh, boy meets girl. Yeah, or that's what I mean. Yeah, was, intellectual. Uh, yeah, it was definitely about uh, things that. Uh, Adults had encountered a lot more than mm -hmm. teenagers or kids in their early 20s. And surprisingly, um, a little bit softer than I I would imagine Steely Dan would be. Like, uh, some of this borders on soft rock, um, which is not my forte. Uh, uh, but it's not, it's not M.O.R., soft rock it's just kind of like that's the way the song kind of turned out but it just kind of gives more of a laid-back feel to it than maybe it should uh so i have to admit there's not one weak song on this album but it also didn't blow me out of the water like i thought it might yeah it, yeah it was kind of like this is a really good album and uh oh i have to listen to it again oh i'll listen to it again but i'm not excited about it and then, oh, I got to listen to it again. I should listen to it again and give it a, another listen and see how I feel about it, which I did last night. And I was going, oh, okay. You know, I, I really like this. But it didn't blow me out of the water. Steely Dan's music, personally, is very attractive to me, but it never blows me out of the water. It doesn't do like a Roxy music does to me or something. It's just like, that's nice and pleasant. And I found this album nice and pleasant. Uh, and I, I do love the lyrics because they're very, they are smart which always attracts me. You know? Yes, even if you can't pick out the meaning, you know that they're about something. Yes, and they're not stupid, right? Yep. They're not like, I love you, or muskrat love, or something like that. You know, a song like muskrat love, they're very smart songs and intellectual. And so I like a lot of parts of Steely Dan, which, I, which uh, I'm including this album. And then there's some parts that, you know... Um, I don't know, just, just don't grab me. They're there and I like it, but I go, okay. You know how you just say, that's nice, okay. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> uh, the music uh, kind of attracted me. But the songs, um, uh, some of them on the second side, uh, I, I just got lost. And uh... Yeah, there's a song on here. I, this may be one you're talking about. And this is the one where the coincidence. There's a song on, on the second side called Brooklyn Owes the Charmer Under Me, 
which the title alone I don't understand, and sung by David Palmer, and again, a concession to commerciality. Uh, he also sings Dirty Work, which is, I never yeah. heard Dirty Work. This was not a song I heard when I was young. They played no. Do It Again and Reeling It. It's only been in the last maybe 15, 20 years that they've started to play Dirty Work. And I don't uh, remember hearing it on the radio. I just heard it. No, I've never TV. heard this song on the radio until maybe the last 20 years. I think maybe it was a Sopranos episode yeah. that started them playing it on the radio. And, um, and I used to listen to the radio hours and hours a day mm-hmm. when I was small. And learning and learning that music. That was the first time I heard it. it was on that one, the TV episode, and I knew it was Steely Dan. I was like, "Fuck, that's a song I haven't heard." See, did you? Because it's yeah. funny because it has David Palmer singing, uh-huh. which which immediately I heard this song on the radio. I'll it, tell was you the the story. it was oh, the chorus. It was definitely the chorus. Really? That, yes, oh, that's where you I can hear when they were singing Fagan. together. You can hear Donald Fagan like, that's very Steely good Dan, in the chorus. Yeah. yeah. Because when heard I heard this song? song, I'll tell you what happened. I heard this song on the radio as I'm driving. And I go, oh man, this sounds like the band. Because right at the beginning, it sounds like the band. And I'm going, but I know all the music of the band. So I don't, <laughs> I know it's not them, but that sounds so cool because it sounds just like them. And then it goes into the, the lyrics and then it's got this guy singing really nice. I'm going, I don't know who this is. Uh, and then it kind of sounded like Steely Dan in the chorus, but I wasn't, yeah, I'm driving, so I'm not paying attention as much. <laughs> As you know, if you're listening, you know, yeah, really hard. Yeah, you don't, can't give an intent listen. Right. And so I'm going, that's a really cool song. And then the guy says, oh, that's Steely Dan and, and a called, song called Dirty Work. And I'm going, Steely Dan? Wow. That doesn't sound like Steely Dan. And there was a couple of reasons. It just, it just, it was kind of, they actually didn't want that song on the album. Wow. Uh, I think it was a little bit too Ooh. commercial. I think it was a little bit unlike Becker and Fagan. And they didn't want the song on the album for that reason. And then when David Palmer sang it, oh, the, the, the record company insisted that song was, was on the album. So they said, okay. And it turned out that they, they still perform it to this day. Uh, Donald Fagan still performs that song because I guess people want to hear it. But uh, it's amazing that I could hear a whole Steely dance song and not know what's <laughs> um, Yeah, because they definitely have that distinctive sound. Yeah, they do. It's partially in his voice, but it's also in the, uh, the musicianship uh, not too many bands are that good. The the musicianship is top notch. This is this is a flawless record as far as if there was any bad notes, it was taken out. Uh, this is uh, a very slick production, uh, very um, mellow at some points. That's the point that kind of didn't get catch me was the mellowness of it at, in some points. Uh, there is the eclecticism about it though. It does go from you know. A kind of a, a jazz bossa nova at the start with Do It Again, which is a great song. Uh, and then a kind of a band type song with Dirty Work. And then Kings, which is a great song. Uh, and I get what it means. Other people may not, but I, I like Kings. Midnight Cruiser was a great song. Love Midnight Cruiser. Love Midnight Cruiser. I actually I had where the, the drummer. I heard that before, but I know I've heard it. I've heard it too, and I can't remember ever hearing it, but I knew when it was on that I'd heard it. Yeah. Um, and it actually has a Jim Hodder, the, uh, the drummer, drummer who uh, sang on it very good. He sounds actually a lot like Donald Fagan, in a way. Yeah, you, you, uh, you can tell these songs are written by one guy and um, uh, given to someone else to sing. And uh, he's going to sing pretty much like the way that... Yeah, and he really does, uh, I think, intentionally sing like Donald Fagan on this. Uh, but, but also... 
a little bit more palatable. And I'm not knocking Donald Fagan because he sings his songs great. I love only a fool would say that. Only a fool would say that. I love how he yeah. says that. Mm-hmm. He has that. Donald Fagan has this way of saying things, which is so cool. Or singing things. You know what? He's got, uh-huh. um, he does what I call ear hooks. Mm-hmm. It's like you'll hear a chorus and there's a line or two in that chorus that grabs you and forces you to find out what is this song about. Right. I mean, there's something like my old school when uh, he says... Uh, what a great song. I did not think the girl could be so cruel. You have to find out what did this woman do yes. to get a statement like that out of a guy. Such a good point because a, a song like my old school, which is not on this album, but no. um, <laughs> it it's an entrancing mm-hmm. album because not only is it a song on the radio, but it's a, it's a very smart song on the radio, which at any time is not necessarily a given thing. Like all, if you got really intellectual smartness, you would it automatically disqualifies yes. you from being on the radio. There's a number but Steely of, uh, Dan got away with it because a lot of stuff uh, he sings, you don't know that he's singing this unless you're really listening, and then you go, "Oh, the song's about that or about this." And uh, yeah, that's a good example yeah, of, of getting I, caught. He knows how to he knows how to sing songs to make it catchy, and yet he knows how to use his lyrics in a almost sometimes a very harsh put down way but you don't notice it because it's so damn catchy <laughs> <laughs> anyone you yeah you listen to that and you realize what the meat of the song is about yeah exactly that's when you, yeah we get to the second side and i uh we got we just got the amazing reeling in the ears which has one of the and this is acknowledged one of the greatest guitar parts ever not even played by any member of the band uh the guitar solo uh, is done by Elliot Randall. And you know, it's Jimmy Page's favorite guitar solo of all time. <laughs> Jimmy Page. like Jimmy Page is like my god. He is my god for for guitar players. Like when I wanted to be a guitar player, I used to watch Jimmy Page in the song. I made the same over and over again. That's the way I've always, to this day, from 15 to now, I've always wanted, that's why I have a Les Paul. I, I play guitar on a Les Paul. It's because of Jimmy Page and... I love how he did. I'm going on. I'm not supposed to go off on a Jimmy Page because we're not talking about Jimmy Page. But I just want to say for Jimmy Page, who I think is an amazing guitar player because he could play rhythm and and lead yeah. flawlessly. He'd to switch me. back and forth. Uh, back and forth. And I love piece. that because that's what I wanted to do. And I didn't have the talent, but I learned a lot about rhythm guitar from him because he concentrates so much on rhythm guitar. So when you got a guy like Jimmy Page, who has probably, if you have the top 100 solos of all time, <coughs> a lot of his solos are going to be on there. This is not a slouch. This is one of the greatest guitarists ever. Yeah. And when he says that's his favorite guitar solo of all time, you're going to listen a little bit closer. <laughs> and it is. It's a, an amazing solo. And it's funny for a band like Steely Dan to have the guitars, to have the guitar play for so long during the song. And yeah, it's just a kicking song. And I love that. Okay, I got to go through this, Rob. I got to do this real quick. Because I love these lyrics. And I always have, but when you actually see them, and I love this lyric, I, uh, and he sings it so, so, Donald Fagan sings it so fast, but he also sings it with such conviction, where he sings, where he says, 
You've been telling me you're a genius since you were 17. And he sings it that fast. But you get it. Like, it just hits you. When you were 17, and all the time I've known you, I still don't know what you mean. <laughs> That's the other thing is you can understand him. He's a, a singer who enunciates really well. Enunciates like wants so to that be, you hear every word. Yes. Yeah. He doesn't want to slur or blur or anything. The weekend at the college didn't turn out like you planned. The things that pass for knowledge, I can't understand. What a great uh, verse. Just a great verse. And just how he sings it. That's why Donald Fagan uh, ended up singing all of Steely Dan's songs. Because he knew how to sing his own lyrics. Yeah. Or Walter Becker's lyrics also. And I just find that I, I'm always entranced by that one this whole song lyrically and the way he sings it, but especially that, that has to be one of my favorite verses of all time because I just, you think you're a genius since you were seven. It's such a put down, yet it seems so catchy that you kind of ignore it, just like we were talking about before. Yeah, and that's the, definitely the, <laughs> uh, the, the put down of um, uh, a spurned lover for now. Yes, uh, that's through the whole song. He started, that's what reeling in the ears is. You reeled me in all these years and you like to make me cry and all that stuff. And uh, it's very much like a positive before street by Bob Dylan. <laughs> it's very much like you got a lot of nerve to do what you did. Yeah. And it's, but you don't get that. It's so happy. It's got a great solo. And you just like, that's so nice. I'm really in the years. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that's oh, the great thing. Classic rock listeners. <laughs> uh, side two. Side two kind of lost me a little bit. Not not that they weren't good songs or great songs. Well, they weren't up to the standard of side. I thought Fire in the Hole was was really nice. Sound like Doctor John, which I thought was really cool. Uh, I like I like the. Uh, this is where the connection comes in with Bob Dylan and Highway sixty one. Brooklyn owes the charmer under me is very similar in structure to Bob Dylan's Queen Jane, approximately. Uh, on Highway 61 Revisited. That's where another thing from, from Dylan comes in. I like the song. I don't understand anything about it. <laughs> I don't understand the lyrics at all. But I really liked it. it it's, just, it's just very catchy. And it's got a great uh, chorus. Uh, Change of the Guard. Um, again, there's nothing bad about it. But it didn't catch me. And then it had a real nice ending with Turn That Heartbeat Over Again. Uh, but it really wasn't an electrifying side as the first side was. Uh, and I guess the, the album was kind of what I expected with Steely Dan, a little bit too mellow for my taste, a little bit too perfect. I'm, I'm not a big fan of perfect because Rob knows I'm more of the John Lennon type of mistakes yeah. are cool. And as we've talked about it before, Rob is more of the Paul McCartney, let's make it really good. And uh, so the, the mellowness, the kind of soft rock to it aspects kind of didn't make it a, a real grabber for me. But the excellence of it is undeniable. You cannot deny the excellent part. And to me, it's a real good stepping stone or first album for a band that would do much better things for almost every album after this as they got better and better and better and better. Uh, as we will find out later when... I would like to do one or two more Steely Dan albums to show how Steely Dan progressed as a band. And uh, I give four out of five. I just thought it was an excellent album, but it, I don't think it was as good as critics kind of say it is. Uh, 
but still a strong debut album. Strong debut album. Like, that's the important thing. Like, sometimes you forget that it's a debut album because it's so well done, so well crafted, and so well played that it's hard to believe yeah. it's a debut uh, album. I was looking at the songs. I didn't realize that um, I'm reeling in the years and... Uh Go back, Jack. Do it again. We're uh, on this album. I didn't realize they were on the. I just imagined in my mind they were like the fourth or fifth album. Right. That songs came. From. So did I before. Before before I kind of learned about Steely Dan. I always thought, well, this sounds pretty. Sounds pretty much like yeah. a band that's in the middle of their career. Been together for a while to sound <laughs> yeah. like this. It really does. <laughs> and the adventurousness of it, like having a. a a guitar sitar being played and do it again, or yeah, you know, or the adventurousness of having. Uh, such a long guitar solo and reeling in the years, you know, and you, you kind of go, well, that's a band that, that's paid its dues. Well, no, actually, that's not my first album. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> I gave it a four out of five as well, in that the, um, oh. it was similar with some of the other albums, where, like I say, the lyrics uh, worked really well with the songs, the musicianship was really good, but, uh, you know, I was comparing it with uh, some of the albums we did recently, and, uh, yeah, Roxy Music was very, but I like the Roxy Music a little bit more than this one. So that's why I give this one a four. Yeah, it had uh, it had a lack of energy uh, and a more professionalism yeah. as far as getting getting the there everything might have right. Been a bit of a clinical sterility. That exactly, yeah, Rob. That's what I'm thinking of. That's what I'm getting at, and and that never went away. It actually got it actually got. If you're if you're looking at that as a negative. It got worse as the band went on. Uh, I can't judge that from Lurk because no, I haven't heard the albums you know, later on. Their creativeness was a counterbalance right, to that, really. Right. So I, I, I can't say that that's a bad thing. It's, it's just not a good thing for me on this record. It's the only negative I have about this is the, the strive for perfection and getting the mistakes out of there and making it sound as slick as possible. And whereas Roxy Music, like I, we said last week, sounds... It will sound fresh on your 50th listening yeah. as it does on your first. They were this is just really way more mellow, man. Like, this energy, is way, yeah. The energy on the Roxy Music album yeah. uh, was up two notches. Exactly. And uh, just on a side note, before we end this, Rolling Stone just released their uh, updated top 100 debut albums of all time. I'm surprised that this album didn't make it just because they're such a critic favorite. It did not make the top 100 debut albums of all time. Roxy Music did. <laughs> <laughs> and a kicker that Rob will like is that, because it was kind of an outrageously stupid list, I'll have to tell you that much, but the number one uh, debut album of all time, no, not the Beatles, not Led Zeppelin, the Ramones. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I mean, damn. Uh, surprised even me because I love the Ramones album, but I know it's not the best debut album of all time. It's one of the most startling at that time if you lived yeah, in that Yeah, it is a shocker. Yeah. A music changing, culture changing. It is. It was culture changing. And it's you either liked it or didn't. And I loved it and Rob didn't. Simple. Just to end this, I know I said I was going to end it on that. <laughs> but we're going to end it on this. But I just want Not to say that, on this. that just because, uh, let me just say what what the professionals, I guess you could say, have on this album. In 2000, it was named, it was voted, Can't Buy a Thrill was voted number two. sorry, excuse me, voted number 207. 
in the Colin Larkin's all-time top 1,000 albums in 2003 Rolling Stone ranked it number 238 on their list of 500 greatest albums of all time and number 240 on their revised 2012 list and Can't Buy a Thrill is listed as the 557th most acclaimed album in music history according to uh, acclaimed music website uh, I just wanted to put that in in case anybody thought that uh, this album didn't do, we're just giving our opinion in our opinion I wouldn't put it anywhere in the 500 greatest albums of all time I'm sorry but I, we, we liked album. it we thought it was an excellent album yeah. it's just that uh, I just thought it was uh, it didn't meet it just wasn't the like like I've heard from these critics before it wasn't like it, it wasn't like I thought the critics it didn't blow me away Roxy Music blew me away uh, this album was very enjoyable excellent album it was nicely damn done. good enjoyed listening to it and uh, you know I was a little disappointed I only got three or four listens and I was like I want more yeah very enjoyable mm. album an album that you really want to put on once you know once twice you know mm. uh, at a time to get oh I like to hear that album again but it just it just didn't write just didn't get to, to that excellent or classic mode that I that I was expecting that it would be uh, so there's nothing wrong with four stars four stars is uh, an excellent album it's just not not excellent plus and it's not classic in our in our view anyways yeah, yeah. You know. so uh, anything more you wanted to say did you want to say anything that that was any song on here that or two songs or three songs that you thought those really kind of like uh, I didn't like uh, not really just uh, getting into the second side there uh, the last uh, three or four songs that was the weak part of the album for me. yeah it's yeah. funny yeah we totally agree on that that uh, after the first six songs first five songs on the first album reeling in the years that uh, the album did take uh, kind of like uh, we ran out of gas mode <laughs> for the last four songs it's funny we both agree on that very very heartily but uh, but but technically no bad songs it's just that it just kind of ran out of steam it wasn't as strong if those four songs at the end were as strong as the first six this would be a four and a half to five yeah. star record but they just weren't but they were still good songs that's what we're saying okay hey we made it through with all the wonky computer stuff <laughs> we had to go through today uh, that's the show for today now remember next week we will not be putting up a show uh, we'll be putting up a show in two weeks time we still will be working in case you're wondering we're not taking the week off yeah we've already taken a few weeks off for you other bastards we will be working sorry I shouldn't call it, I shouldn't call our, our listeners bastards well that's better than <laughs> when you used to finish your sentences with you pricks <laughs> <laughs> I still wish I would go back to those days you pricks and yeah, I'll have another uh, <laughs> serving of um, uh, potatoes and ham, you pricks. <laughs> so uh, in two weeks' time, we will have a new theme and a new album to review. So until then, uh, everybody, uh, as always, take care and stay safe. Stay safe.